Dear Father in Heaven, we thank You for this opportunity to study Your wonderful creation and the weather that You've given us, whether it be good or bad. And we ask that You would bless uh, this presentation and everyone that has come. In Your name we pray. Amen. Alright, how many of you here know who I am? Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> how many were here? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not in any of these pictures. I did take some of them, but my name is on, on the, uh, the slide there. Um, for those of you that don't know me and weren't here last year, my name is Jason Whitaker. I'm actually, by trade, a maintenance manager for a company here in the area. And I do uh, weather work on the side. I've storm chased uh, both professionally and personally for about 15 years. I started uh, back in 1999 when I met a guy by the name of Rob Dale. Does anybody recognize that name in here? Rob Dale is kind of an interesting uh, gentleman. He wrote the software that we use to interpret the data from radar to a computer. This guy is very, very brilliant. He's been doing this for since he was 14 years old. He's a weather genius. But, ironically, he can actually explain weather to a, a child and they understand. I've seen him do this. He's a very, very good man. He's a very Christian man also. He taught me a lot of what I know and got me into storm chasing. Funny story. I used to be scared of thunderstorms and severe weather back when I was a kid. I think being scared of it led me to want to actually find out more. When I met Rob, he got me into storm chasing. I later became an amateur radio operator. I've worked here at Campion as a storm monitor. I worked for Gratiot County with the emergency manager on weather issues and I've always worked in the community I live in. I don't go off out west and chase. I'd like to someday, but I feel that I should serve the community where I'm at at the moment. Even if I'm at work, I would work with Macosta County, which is where I work. Now, as we go through this presentation, you're gonna, if you've been here before, you'll see some information you've seen before. This is a very basic course. This is not storm chasing. I tried to get the Weather Service to let me teach that. They were not real nice about it, so I said, well, I'll just do my own thing. And, and these presentations were actually originally given to my CERT group in Isabella County uh, about two years ago. The conference asked me to do this last year. I did the summer weather safety. They wanted to do more, so I'm going to do winter weather safety on Thursday, which I think you'll enjoy. I know it's summertime. We're not wanting to think about winter, but it's a good time to plan ahead and get ready. And this is all about readiness. This is very basic. I don't uh, want to uh, get too deep, but we'll try here. So... We're going to talk first about weather terms. And you'll see this again Thursday if you come. First we go through, we have an advisory. It's usually issued with general information relating to an upcoming weather event. This does not mean that it will necessarily be an event. It's just advising you to pay attention and be thinking about being ready. Now the next thing we have is a watch. Watch means that there are conditions that are favorable for a weather event to happen. You hear thunderstorm watch, tornado watch, uh, high wind watch, uh, and there's many others. Now, this is going to change eventually. They're going to change these a little bit, but I haven't gotten that information, so I'm not able to present that at this moment. And then, of course, you have a warning. A warning means the weather event is currently happening or will be in your warned area soon. Now, I find a lot of people get watch and warning confused. I sit at work and the tones go off on the radio and they go, oh, there's going to be a tornado. No, no. They said watch, not warning. <laughs> so just pay attention to those words. Easy to get, to get confused, I, I am sure. Now, 
we want to talk about some elements of summer storms. And there's many elements, but these are the basics. First of all, strong winds. A lot of summer thunderstorms and events have strong winds. A lot of damage, power outages and such become of them. Number two, lightning, which is actually, ironically, one of the biggest dangers to you and I. Electricity kills. Good news here. Most people do not get struck by lightning. I actually know of a couple different cases where people have been struck by lightning and survived. Heavy rain and flash flooding. Now, we were just dealing with heavy rain the other day here. Um, I was telling some people uh, before we started that we had somewhere between three and a half and four inches in this area between uh, about Friday morning and Sunday morning. Led to a lot of issues. Hail, and then, of course, the tornadoes that we sometimes see in Michigan. Now, good news here, tornadoes do not happen as much in Michigan as they do out west. Uh, but we do have them. Now, summer thunderstorms have a lot of different things involved with them. First, we have the severity. We kind of classify them different ways. You usually have moderate heavy rain with a thunderstorm and wind over a few minutes or a few hours. I want to stop here and just give you an idea here. You can have a thunderstorm system that moves very slowly and may dump a lot of rain, have a lot of wind, and be very damaging over maybe three to six hours or more. A lot of times you'll see one that pops up out of nowhere. I call them popcorn storms or instability thunderstorms. They may last less than 20 minutes, but I've seen them actually produce semi-tornadic uh, rotation and other, other things that are not very savory <laughs> and can be very dangerous. You've got your storm conditions that can range from mild, a mild thunderstorm up to a straight-line wind event or even a tornado. Now sometimes, and I've seen this a couple times, you will have all of these in one storm and in a very small area, like maybe a mile-wide stretch, you'll have some rotation, you'll have straight-line wind damage, and you may have even a tornado touchdown. Now, summer storms can bring things like heavy rain and flash flooding. Flash flooding is not so much a problem here. We do have some trouble with it. A lot of times roads will flood. Be real careful at night if you're driving. You can run into situations where the roads are flooded and you don't know it until you get into it. We'll talk about it a little bit more here later on in the presentation. And of course, we've got strong winds, lightning, hail, and power outages. Now, how many people in here think wind is dangerous? I'm going to tell you a story that, that I just witnessed a few weeks ago. My wife and my daughter and our dog were walking in town where we live, and we got out of the door, and it, uh, it started to get a little windy. I get my phone on, I look at radar, and I'm like, oh, the storm's north and south, it's a big deal. We keep walking, the wind picks up to about 20 miles an hour, but I'm like, that's not good. We keep walking along, we get around the other side of the block from our house. I all of a sudden hear crack, crack, crack. I'm like, uh-oh, that's not good. I look over to my uh, right, and I watch a part of a tree come down and take out power lines. I've not seen this very often. I've seen it a couple times, but you know, I was very concerned because my wife was a little bit ahead and my daughter was with me. I'm like, well, is there something falling right where we're at? The interesting thing about that the tree fell the opposite direction of what the wind was blowing. The wind was blowing straight out of the west. It fell, the tree fell straight toward the west. I feel there was probably rotation in, up above where it was at and it broke it off. Anyway, it was kind of interesting to see. So if you do get caught in a windstorm, you know, be aware of your surroundings. It can save your life, literally. Um, we have different types of summer storms. We've got, of course, 
you're everything from just, I want to call a general thunderstorm clear up to severe thunderstorms. Now, there's, there's kind of a, a, a line that we draw between severe thunderstorms and a tornado. But it's a very fine line because a severe thunderstorm can become a tornadic storm depending on various, uh, you know, categories and, and, and what it runs into. Um, a thunderstorm is usually produced when warm air and cold air meet, like a warm front, cold front, or high pressure, low pressure, or a combination of both. And it, depending on what your temperature variation and differential is and your um, high pressure, low pressure, it can be, it will determine a lot of times the severity. Now we have straight line wind events. Has anybody seen straight line wind damage? Oh, <laughs> I guess you guys have, and it's really easy to tell. Straight line wind damage, everything is going, going one way. Now if you have rotation, everything will be mixed up, jumbled up. It's a little bit easier, and well, sometimes it's kind of hard to determine, but true straight line wind damage is, is easy to spot. Now you have hailstorms. Now there's, hail is a lot of times comes with tornadoes and thunderstorms. I've seen two events in the last six years I've lived up here in this area where we had hail quarter size or larger, and no wind, and no thunder and lightning. And it just came, it like rain hail. And it made me think of something that, that is mentioned in the Bible about, it talks about the hailstorm that they had in Egypt, and it'll be at, in the time of the end. I'm like, wow. Um, think of big chunks of ice raining out of the sky, up to 100 pounds. That would hurt. It would hurt big time. I don't want to get hit. I've gotten hit with pea-sized hail with 50 or 60 mile an hour winds when I was uh, videotaping a couple times and it was not fun. It hurts. Um, there, there's hail, I don't know if you can see it real well, but there's hail on the road. Now, think about a, a major hailstorm you're trying to drive and you hit this. Hail is like BBs. You just can't stop. People lose control. There are, there are issues involved with that. Um, I wish I had time to show you videos or videos where people, storm chasers have gotten hit with uh, golf ball size hail and larger and just destroys our windshields and our cars. Um, you have microburst events, which I was talking about a little bit ago, where you have a short duration storm that pops up out of nowhere and usually dies fairly quickly. And th like I said, some of those are the most dangerous. I've seen two different ones produced. One produced an F EF2 tornado, the other one produced a EF0 event. I'll talk about that a little bit later. I've got some pictures to show you from that. And there's, there's a tornado starting. And of course you have tornadic events. Now, most of the tornadoes in Michigan that I know about and have been involved with and, and have covered or dealt with have come up pretty much out of nowhere. Usually they're issuing the warnings after the tornado's on the ground, if they issue them at all, because they're so short-lived. Your radar scan, and Logan, correct me if I'm wrong here, is usually about 10 minutes to do a full scan. A lot of these events are so short that it's there from one scan and it's gone. We, we might miss it if we're not lucky. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting sometimes. You, you don't know what you're going to face. It may, be, it may start out as an innocent thunderstorm and, and build very quickly. Now, you have lots of risk with summer storms. You have flooding. We've talked about that one. Um, this picture was actually taken down in Detroit a number of years ago. This was a flash flood event. People got stuck in it. Um, I was reading about it on the internet. I was Googling flash flooding. And, and I got these pictures. I put it in Michigan because I wanted something that was from actually Michigan. This actually shut down the highway for several hours while they pulled the cars out and the water went away. 
Anybody ever been to Lansing? Do you know where Potter Park is? There in Pennsylvania? You know where there's a, a train bridge right there. It's really low in that bridge. Underneath the bridge, they've dug it out so you can get out, you know, get under it. That floods very quickly every time we get much rain. I've seen up to over two feet of water in there and people trying to drive through it. Don't ever try and drive through water if you, you know you, because you can get your car stuck in it. Um, I've seen some pretty high sitting vehicles get stranded. They thought they could get through it. Best not to drive through it. Now, of course, you have other risks, lightning strikes and fires. Um, not common, but it does happen. I've been to many fires involving a lightning strike that the start of a house or a barn or a business on fire. Um, and by the way, lightning does strike more than something more than once sometimes. Not in the same event usually, but some things get struck repeatedly. A lot of things like radio towers, TV towers, um, cell phone towers, they get struck quite often. And that's a cool picture. I like it, stri striking that building there. <laughs> a lot of tall buildings have lightning rods to help dissipate the electricity and, and reduce the fire risk. You've got power outages, of course. How many have lost their power because of a storm this year so far? That doesn't surprise me. We, we, does any, did anybody get affected by the big uh, windstorm that went through back in, I believe it was March? Um, that, was, that was, and I'm going to stop just a minute here and, and talk about that. that. That was what we call a pure windstorm. Anybody ever heard that term before? Pure windstorm? Do you want to call it that? It's kind of an interesting little deal. Uh, Bill Steffen from TV8 was the one that kind of coined this phrase. We call it a pure windstorm because there was nothing else involved. It was just wind. There wasn't tornadoes. There wasn't thunderstorms. It was just wind. And it was very destructive. There were people that were actually killed by it uh, from falling trees and such. It was not a good thing. It, it covered most of the state, and a lot of people lost power for... 12 to 48 and more hours. We lost, where I work, we lost power twice in two days for most of two days. And that's not a good thing when you're trying to run a business. Um, you've got down power lines and, of course, trees. And this tree is the one that I saw that was when I was chasing over in Alma area. It's a fairly large tree, you can tell. It looks like it's somewhat rotten, but it, it got blown over. The winds that day were probably 90 to 100 mile an hour at one point. Now, of course, you have risk involved with this, too. There's, there's that. Uh, injury, injuries from wind-blown debris or hail. Now, there's a picture I'm going to show, and I'm not going to show it right this minute, but it is kind of graphic that shows somebody that got hit by uh, some pretty big hail. Now, this picture here was um, the one I was talking about, the semi-tornadic event that I saw one day. You can see the debris here in the, in the picture. I was actually chasing not too far from where I live in Alma, and I was driving along, coming home from work, and I saw what we call dust nados, little swirls of dust in, in, in the fields. It was, it was early May. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I think I'll go take some pictures. So I get, go and stop, get on my truck, get my camera, and I am standing out in the middle of the road, and I'm probably from here to Logan there, and from my vehicle, and I'm standing there, and it's nice and calm. I mean, perfectly calm, sunny day. I'm like, ooh, this is nice. I get great pictures. I all of a sudden hear this sound like a freight train behind me. I'm like, this is not good. Now, I have to back up a minute. I always kind of poo-pooed at the, the whole, a tornado sounds like a freight train, because I'd never actually heard one coming. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, because the train tracks are to my east another two and a half, three miles, because it was, I was not far from where I lived at the point, that point, so I knew where they were. I'm like, this is not good. So I carefully, I, I mentioned carefully, I turned my, to look. I get hit in the face with field debris and rocks from the road. It was a gravel road. just pelted me. 
So I'm like, well, I guess I better get back in my truck. So I'm trying to walk carefully. I'm walking along, and imagine wind blowing so hard it just about knocks a 170-pound person to the ground. I almost got face planted by the wind. I finally get to my truck. I try to open the door. Well, I had to pry it open. I'm, I'm going, man, this is not good. So I get in my vehicle, so I'm at least somewhat protected. I'm thinking, uh-oh, we're in trouble now. Because, <laughs> all right, we've got all this wind. My truck starts to pick up and drop, pick up and drop. Did that three times. Then it started raining. I don't have pictures of the rain. It rained hard for about 10 minutes. And it was all gone and done. You can't see it in this picture, but if you look real closely, there's power lines here. Those power lines were bowing like this in a U. Now, they didn't snap as amazing in and of itself. Welcome. Um, I, I feel very lucky that I did not get hurt. When I got home later that evening, I opened my hood of my truck. I had st stones from the road and field debris clear up to the firewall of my vehicle. It had blown up and under, and it was lodged up there. <laughs> That's how strong the winds were. I estimated the winds at one point at just about 100, 100 miles an hour. And we had damage further on. There will be some other pictures I'll show you. The next picture I'm going to show is one I, I told you is very graphic. It's somebody that got hit with hail. This is why you want to be very, very careful. And you'll say ouch when you see this. He was out in a hailstorm apparently, and he got nailed really good. And, you know, if you, can, if you do get caught in the hail, protect your face because you don't want your face to get damaged or injured. It can be very dis disastrous. There are people that have actually been severely injured. Um, and there's, I had some other pictures, but they were really bad, so I didn't show them. Uh, as we continue through with our risk here, we've got um, house fires and hail damage. Has anybody seen hail damage crops? Have you ever seen? I, I have once, and it was bad. It was very bad. It, it wiped, where I used to live, we had a big hailstorm. We had uh, dime-sized, quarter-sized hail. It took out the corn, took out the soybeans, took out the wheat that was about ready to be harvested. It actually clipped the leaves off the tree. I'll get to you in a minute. Go, go ahead for a minute. Uh, West Branch had uh, last year a hailstorm that ruined every house in West Branch. Mm -hmm. uh, and it took my motor home, took the roof, and put it in the bottom of my motor home. And it ruined my car. Oh. And it ruined, of course, our house. Um, we had to put new. Um, Kyle on the and a lot of times it was ruined tile inside. I had some. It was as big as baseball. Mm -hmm. I heard about that, yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of heard about that. It said that according to it, it was softball size hail. Yeah, and, yeah it's huge. The, the, and a lot of times, I know it may seem your, your car gets damaged by hail, and, it, and it's like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. They can't fix it, though. It, the dents are so, uh, they're like pockmarks. They cannot fix that. They, they will almost always t total a car that is damaged severely by hail. Well, we had people come up with the new uh, stuff that they have, and they fixed probably 500 cars. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to fix mine, but it was $2,000 to have it fixed. They mm -hmm. fine. Yeah, well, if it doesn't damage the paint, you might as well just leave it. I've got hail dents in my current vehicle. Every vehicle I've owned for the last 10 years has hail dents, has had hail dents in it. Because when you're storm chasing, you, you, you sometimes do run into hail. Um, although the two, the two nice hail storms I've seen were when I was at work and my vehicle was sitting in the parking lot. 
like, oh, there goes my light bar. Well, luckily both times I haven't lost it yet. So um, this is a fire that was started by uh, lightning. Um, and a lot of times lightning will strike a structure. This is, this is kind of interesting. It'll strike a structure and you don't even know something happened until it actually it'll smolder for a while and finally catch fire. And a lot of times, if it's at night, the people don't always know it. Usually it strikes a chimney or something. A friend of mine almost died in a, in a fire that was started by, by lightning. Luckily, they, there's a house that got hit by hail. Looks like they had a little bit of wind, too. There's, the windows are blown out, and that's vinyl siding that doesn't hold up too well. Uh, aluminum siding doesn't do much better. Uh, there's a car that got damaged by hail. That, was, that, one's, well, that one's bad, but I've seen worse pictures. How would you like to get hit by that? That's softball-sized hail, roughly. Yeah. And, and that would hurt. That could kill you, actually, if it hits you just right. If the, the wind, hail, hail is kind of an interesting, uh, I'll call it animal, because it, when the wind's blowing, it has even more force than if it's just falling from the sky. The more wind you have, let's say you have 40-mile-an-hour winds and you've got hail coming down, it hits you, it's double the force. And the bigger it is, the more force it gets. It's just the way gravity works. Um, we continue with our risk here. Um, I know this is kind of interesting to say carbon monoxide poisoning and asphyxiation, which is a sickness or death caused by lack of oxygen. Usually this isn't a problem, but a lot of times summer storms bring uh, power outages and people run their generators in places they shouldn't. They run it in the garage or too close to a window. Although in the summertime, it's a little bit different story. We'll talk about this more in depth in the winter session. But we have had cases where somebody has tried to heat their home because it, it, went, it was in the early spring, which is early storm season. It was cold. They tried to heat their house. They were using a heater or something, and they died because of it. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. That's why I mention it here. Um, if you're going to use a generator, make sure it's far enough away from your house, your windows, or any inlet to your to where you have breathing air. Because if you got you get exhaust, it can be, and you don't always know you're being in, uh, having carbon monoxide poisoning until it's almost too late. And the results are usually, even if you have mi a minor case of it, can cause damage to you that is irreparable. So that's why I mention it. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about flash flooding. How many have ever seen flash flooding? I have, more than once. I got a graphic here, and I'm Logan. Come here. Can you help me a minute? All right. So we're going to go through this. We got a few minutes. Um, when it's flooded, turn around, and you don't always know how deep the water is. It says six inches. Can you pull that tape measure out six inches and show them? Turn it that way so they can see. Six inches of water, fast-moving water, can knock over and carry away an adult, and it's even less for a child. So, yes. Let's say you have water flowing on this table six inches deep. This is our road. You try and walk through it. It can take you on your, from off your feet and you can potentially drown. Because think about it. You may have flowing water here, but it, there may be a ditch on the other side of the road that will cause you, you may, once you're knocked down, you can't get right back up. You can be pulled underwater and drown. People, and it has happened. Um, 12 inches, which is a foot of water, can carry away a small car. Now that's kind of scary. 12 inches of, of fast-moving water. That's not a lot, but a foot is, you know, I mean, we could walk through a foot of water if it was not flowing easily. And then if you have 18 to 24 inches of fast-moving water, it can carry away most large SUVs, vans, and even semis. 
we had a case a number of years ago, I think it was about four years ago now, over by, I believe it was Muskegon, it was on the west side of the state. Some people were out delivering papers. In the middle of the night, they're driving along, and the road was washed out and full of water. They ended up in that because they couldn't see it until they were on top of it. Their car flipped upside, and both of them died as a result of it. They drowned. They were not being foolish. They were not doing anything wrong. They just were in the wrong place at the right time. It was a very sad story. And this, do, this does happen occasionally. Luckily in Michigan, we don't have roads wash out very often, but they do sometimes wash out. You may have a situation where, okay, like the other day when we got all that rain that came down that was like four inches or so, it rains so much at once it starts to wash gullies in the dirt roads. You may have a spot where it's really deep that normally would be fine to drive through. But it's night, you don't see it. You may get in it, water's flowing. It, it can get ugly. I don't want somebody to get... If you see water and you don't know how deep it is or whatever, just turn around and find a different way to go. Now we're going to talk a little bit about preparedness. How do we prepare? We need to understand the risk. Thank you, Logan. Uh, and, and we talked about some of the risk. And the risk becomes even worse if you have health problems. Or, you know, if you're, you know, people that are elderly, if you have pets, there's lots of things to think about. And, of course, we want to have a plan of what we're going to do if we have issues also, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Prepare your home. How do you prepare your home? Well, there's lots of things you can do. Um, have extra water available for flushing toilets, to drink, whatever, at, at your house. Um... Make sure if you have a generator, I was talking about generators a minute ago, it works. Make sure you have, you know, a good good place to put it. Um, you have a plan in place should your house be damaged by a storm. Do we have extra wood or have availability of that? Because you may have to board your windows up if you have a hailstorm or a tornado comes through and the, your house actually gets damaged. Tree falls on your house. Do you have tarps to cover it so you don't get more water damage? Things like that. Now, luckily, that doesn't happen a lot, but if you have trees near your house, it can happen. I always put in there service generators and chainsaws. How many in this room have a chainsaw? How many have a chainsaw that actually runs? <laughs> I have one, but it doesn't run. Luckily, my father-in-law, who lives two miles away from me, has two or three of them. So I have availability to one. It's a very small price to pay to get a chainsaw serviced. To just think about this. To have a tree removed after a storm can cost any, depending on the size of the tree, can cost anywhere from $300 clear up to several thousand by tree service. Your insurance sometimes pays for it, sometimes they do not. Now, I recommend, having worked for a tree service many years ago and taking a lot of storm damaged trees out, if you can't do it safely, it's far, more, far cheaper to pay somebody to do it than try and do it yourself and get hurt or worse. Um, but if you have a chainsaw that works, you can at least, you know, Let's say a tree falls right in front of your door and you at least cut some of the, the limbs off to get out. You, you at least have that much. A lot easier than doing it with an axe or a handsaw. I've known people to do it. Uh, we'll do that at the end. Keep your uh, vehicle's gas tank full. Now, why would we do that? And I'm the worst about this because I run until I have nothing in my tank pretty much. I should be better. I'm trying to be better about it. Welcome. Um, the reason you do that, let's say we have a major power outage because of a storm. You may not be able to get gas for a while, and you may need to travel. You may need to leave the area even. You at least have fuel to get, hopefully, somewhere where there will be more fuel. And if you have 
uh, fuel for your generator. So if you'd like to have some of that on hand also uh, in reserve. You don't want to keep a lot necessarily, but enough to run it for several hours. And this is the big one. Pay attention to watches and warnings. Uh, watch TV or listen to no weather radio or use your cell phone. How many have weather apps on their cell phone? Oh, wow. I like this. You guys are all prepared already. Why am I teaching? No, I'm just kidding. Um, and how many people have NOAA weather radios? Do you, do you use them? Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. I know they're becoming kind of a thing of the past almost. They still sell them. You can buy a simple one for about $20 at the store. And you can actually, if you're uh, over 65 or you have other special conditions, you can get them free through your county usually. They'll give you one. And I'll program it and everything. Yes, Morgan? Well, I just, um, just, you know, I just don't want to go a little off topic, but uh, with the radar, like you said, like it, it takes like 10 minutes. You know, cause you, you know, we have this thing called sales. Like the weather service has, I think it was like a couple of years ago, they had it called sales so they, you know, so they could have it run like a couple minutes or, mm -hmm. or, or a couple plus minutes. So, you know, when when they when they have a couple minutes or four minutes or five minutes and see the new radar data, you know, on the storm. So mm -hmm. just throw that out. Yeah, what he what he's talking about, I'll, I'll simplify a little bit. Usually your I mentioned this earlier, your radar uh, loop is about ten minutes. He's talking about they can run a shorter loop and see more stuff over a shorter duration of time. Because some of these storms we're talking about build and die within less than 10 minutes. The worst of it is over before they can even issue a watch or a warning. Um, during a thunderstorm, what do we do during a thunderstorm? And I know some of this is, you've probably heard before. Stay away from windows and doors. Now, you all laugh because as soon as I hear thunderstorm warning, I grab my radio, I get in my car, and I start, I am ready to go out chasing. You should never go chasing if you're not trained. It is very dangerous. Even those of us, as I've told already, who have chased for years and chased with people that are far more expert than us, get into trouble sometimes. We don't always, you know, I mean, Michigan is one of the worst places on earth to chase because the weather changes so fast. We say, wait five minutes and it'll change. It's true. I've seen it change in less than 20 seconds. And, you know, you want to stay indoors. And the reason to stay away from windows is, okay, you get a windstorm and starts blowing debris, your window breaks, you can get hurt from the glass or flying debris. Lightning can hit, it can, you can actually get injured by that if you're close to a window or a door. Especially metal door frames are real bad to stand by. Don't, don't, don't do this, this number. You're standing outside watching the storm. Doo, 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 doo. That's a bad idea. I've seen people do it. Honestly, I have. And I, I have given them the one-on-one on why not to. Interesting story. I'm going to tell you this story. Sure, go ahead. My husband has been struck by lightning seven times. Mm -hmm. Twice there was no thunderstorm. Mm -hmm. He was standing in the doorway going down to the basement, and I was standing up on the upper level into my house. The lightning came, hit him, and blew his tennis shoes off. And he has a hole that big in his armpit mm -hmm. where the Lightning flew out. Mm -hmm. Well, there, there are people who have been struck multiple times. I, on that subject, and we'll talk about it a little bit in a, a minute, but if somebody's struck by lightning, as soon as the lightning is gone, they are not charged. It's not like an electrical, you know, normal electrocution. They are not, there's no residual electricity. You can do CPR on them immediately if they're not breathing. 
You can treat them immediately. Don't worry about it. You won't be hurt. It's not like you, I go off to Logan here and he's going to, you know, he, it's not like he's touching the electrical line and he's gonna, you're going to have to shut the power off. It's gone. Um, there, there's there several different strikes. There's direct strikes. There's indirect strikes. Um, usually if you suffer an indirect strike, you probably will survive unless it goes through your heart and sometimes it will stop your heart. That's usually what happens. Um, be alert for rapid changes in the weather. Anybody notice last night it started raining just out of the blue? Yeah. <laughs> rapid changes in the weather. We were, my wife and daughter and I were standing outside and my wife's talking on the phone to her friend and all of a sudden it starts downpouring. Hmm, interesting. I looked at rain and I'm like, well, that's weird. It just, I don't know where. <laughs> that's Michigan for you. Now, you won't see this as much in other places. You usually get a little bit more warning. Michigan, it, because of being surrounded by water, it, it can be quite interesting. Um, take shelter in a basement or in a room of your house if needed. Now, why do I say that? We have done a lot of study over the years. I haven't, but meteorologists and storm chasers and such in general have done a lot of study. If you're in, a room, in, in an inner room of your house, with no windows, you are protected as much as you're going to be, or in the basement. Your house is the sturdiest in the center. There's more support for the you know trusses and such. Even if the house is just, you know damaged by a tornado, you usually will have the chance of being able to re be rescued and survive. Not always, but you have a better chance. Yes, Logan. And there's I'm going to say one thing. Um, I know we don't get we don't get tornadoes, but I'm going to say one thing. Um, I Somehow, like you know, like when you when there's like something when, when you have things happen like tornadoes or something, I, there was just one guy that was a meteorologist in Oklahoma. I'm not gonna put him on. I'm not gonna mention his name. But somehow, the only thing this was this was back in May 31st, 2013. But somehow, with these storms, somehow there were like tornado warnings and all that stuff, and El Reno and all that stuff. But the only thing it is. You don't even want them to say. This, there was this one, he was a meteorologist. Somehow he just told people, you know, when there were large tornadoes, he just told the viewers, start away, get in your car, and get out of its way. But I'm going to tell you, that, that is very dangerous. That's the worst thing you can do, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, uh, thanks for mentioning that, Logan. I was, I was storm chasing one night, the F2 tornado I saw, the F2, I should say. I actually outran it because, well, I got scared and I ran. <laughs> I drove faster than I've ever driven in my life. And, and you know what? Rob Dale told me, he said, you did absolutely what you should have done. But do not do that. Do not try this at home. Please, never. <clears throat> now, if you're caught in a thunderstorm, protect yourself from hazards. Get under, don't get under a tree, please. Um, that's the worst place you can, can go. Um, do not go stand by a door, metal door or hang on to a, an antenna and uh, go, I'm going to stay right here. There are people that are, put your golf club up in the air. I mean, there's some people that do some really foolish things. And yes, they didn't live to tell the story necessarily. Um, I will tell a story that happened here at Camp Me a number of years ago. It happened to somebody I know very well. Um, there's an antenna hole over here on the uh, south side of campus they have for the repeaters here for camp. She was in her camp, or getting to, into her camp, and lightning struck the antenna. The power went, or the lightning bolt went through the ground, went up through her camper steps. She didn't have her shoes on. It actually shocked her. Not severely, but enough to make her heart go crazy for about an hour. Her son happens to be an EMT, 
So he helped her out, but it was kind of scary. She won't do that again. <laughs> and and it, it was one of those, she just happened to, and this, this lady's an adult and very smart. She's not clueless. She just happened to do stuff at the wrong time. We're, we're glad she's still with us. Um, but like I say, cover exposed skin. If you have to, if you get caught in like a thunderstorm or a hailstorm, it, the lower you get, the less you are to be struck by lightning. We'll talk about it in a minute. Go like this, so your head's down in your knees, so you don't get your face hit. Because you, you can, your face is some of your more vulnerable skin, and facial injuries are not fun. I've been hit in the face a couple times with stuff, and it's not a good thing. Yes, go ahead. Well, I can assume what probably happened. When it rains a lot, we'll talk about this for a minute since you mentioned it, um, you get a lot of rain quickly, the ground gets very saturated with water, the trees, when they have leaves, catch wind a lot better. If the roots are real shallow, they will fall right over. You can get 40 mile an hour wind or so, we'll take them right down. I've seen it happen more than once. Um, and the stronger the wind is, the worse it is. I always, I always look for windstorms when it's the trees aren't, don't have leaves on them because they don't break as easily. <laughs> uh, now, the thing is, in the summertime, the trees are a little bit more flexible because they're not frozen. But... There's, there's a lot of different issues that play into that. So if you have to tra travel during the summer, if you're traveling, make sure your vehicle's in good working order. I know this sounds silly, but if you have pro mechanical problems with your vehicle, get them fixed. Who wants to be stuck out in the heat or in a storm or something with a broken vehicle? Not fun. Been there. Keep a charged cell phone and your mobile charger with you at all times. The reason I say this, your, car, your vehicle breaks down or you have trouble, you call, they can find you fairly quickly even if you don't know where you're at. Your cell phone will tell, when you call it, tell, it gives them a location. And they'll usually ask you, are you near thus and such? Even if you cannot talk, they can still get help to you. Just think about it. The technology is, is there. In fact, I brought my mobile charger with me. I keep this in my truck at all times. And I have my cell phone. Usually I have a couple of them. Um, you, can get, you can even use an unactivated cell phone if you can't afford to buy a cell phone. You can buy one that's not activated. You can still call 911 from it. Any phone will let you call 911. Yes, it has to be on. Even if it's locked, you, can still, you still can call 911 from it. It's federal law now. Carry a disaster supply kit. And I brought some water with me to d demonstrate. Carry water with you. You don't have to carry a lot, but enough to keep you hydrated until you can help can get to you, especially if it's really hot outside. Um, and your disaster supply kit, I usually carry jumper cables, a flashlight, a blanket, and you know some granola bars or something to eat if I need them. If stranded, stay with your vehicle if you can. Now, if your vehicle's in water, you should get out of it, because if it sinks, you're going to drown. But if you can stay with it, reasonably stay with it. It offers shade and some protection from the elements until you can be uh, rescued. Tornado safety. And this is something I hope none of you ever have to do, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Heed and obey all warnings, as, as Logan was mentioning here earlier. And I have some pictures of tornadoes here with this. Take cover in a basement or an inner room with no windows. Um, if you're outside, they say you should get it in a ditch. I tend to not prefer that, but that's better than getting hit. <laughs> Trust me. 
people have been picked up by tornadoes and have survived, but I wouldn't want to be. Uh, and be aware of sudden changes in weather. You may think the storm is over, and you may have more coming through. Pay attention. It in Michigan, this happens occasionally. I've seen it a couple of times. Now, some may think these people are crazy. That'd be me, standing there taking pictures. This, this is actually a tornado out in an open area, it looks like. There's not a lot of danger there. It's just picking up dirt and dust. So, you know, <clears throat> yeah, if you can reasonably photograph a tornado, do so. If not, I'd take cover immediately. Now we're going to talk a little bit about heat. We kind of are getting short on time here. Heat is another one of those killers that we don't always think about and don't take, we kind of take for granted. Is there anybody in here that runs a business where they work and have people that work outside or they work in a hot environment all day during the summer? Think about it. And, and I work in a shop that we have an oven and it's hot. It's 120 degrees in there sometimes during the summer. It's far more efficient to give your employees an extra break and give them extra water and stuff during the day and a lot cheaper than sending one person to the hospital. It costs a lot of money, doesn't it? If you've ever been there, it costs, especially if they have to go by ambulance, it's very expensive. Of course, you should dress accordingly. And in Michigan, it's sometimes kind of hard because it's cool in the morning and it's hot by afternoon. It can be 80, 90 degrees. And the humidity is terrible. Dress in layers if you can. And, and if you're prone to heat issues, try and limit your time outside. I do pretty well with heat. Some people don't. I know people that it just ruins them. <coughs> Drink lots of water. Why do I say water? Water is good for you. Don't drink pop. Don't drink coffee or anything else like that. Uh, if you're going to drink anything, I usually recommend Gatorade or something like that because it does replenish some of the things you lose when you sweat. But water works real well. Even lukewarm water is better than none. And you should drink twice as much as you usually do. Yeah, it keeps you hydrated. Because you get dehydrated, you're going to be you're going to be very susceptible to heat issues, even if it's only 80 degrees outside. I always recommend checking on sick or elderly family and neighbors and and or pets. How many of you have pets? They are very susceptible to heat. My dog gets overheated real easily, even though he's a little guy. He still gets quite overheated some days. And I have a chart here. And I don't know if you can see this very well. We start out here at the bottom. It's very warm. We consider that somewhere 80 to 90 degrees. You tend to get more tired over prolonged uh, exposure and physical activity. Hot would be uh, 90 to 105, heat, sunstroke, heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and so on. Um, very hot is 105 to 130. I think the highest I've ever seen here is 106 degrees in Michigan. And with the heat index, it was about 110. Now, how many people have been to other parts of the country where it gets very, very hot, like 120, 130. I was in Death Valley a few years ago, and they, their signs all were, please drink water, please drink water. You know, they have people die there every year, hence the name Death Valley. They're not very smart. Uh, sunstroke, heat cramps, and so on. You can, and, and the higher up we go here, 130 degrees or higher, uh, and it should say the possibility of fatality goes up the higher the temperature goes. Because if you get dehydrated, you don't have any water, even if you do get found and rescued, the damage can sometimes be permanent and, and sometimes even fatal. Not in Michigan normally, but if somebody gets, I do search and rescue for the county I work with. If somebody is lost for a number of hours or days in heat like we have sometimes in Michigan, they might not make it just because of the heat if they don't have water or any, any source of water. 
Now we're going to talk a little bit about lightning. Now I have a graphic here, and I hope you can read it. This is how to survive a lightning strike. And people questioned this last year, and so I did a bunch of Google research trying to find out better information. Ironically, this is the best way to survive a lightning strike. I hope you never have to do this, but it says, crouch down low like a baseball catcher, get as low as you can, the nearer you are to the ground, the less likely you are to be struck by lightning. But don't ever lie down. Lightning usually, almost 100% of the time, strikes the highest object near where it's going to strike. Not always, but that's kind of the general rule. Um, don't touch any possible conductors. You see there's a golf club there, or anything metal or tree or something. Uh, if your hair begins to stand on end or your skin starts to tingle, a lightning strike is imminent. Not going to necessarily happen, but it's quite likely. Uh, and immediately get in the crouching position. Lightning may strike without warning, however. Now you want to place your hands over your ears to minimize the hearing loss from the loud clap of thunder that will, uh, that will boom very close to you. Think about this. Thunder is actually low-frequency sound waves. Low frequencies can do a lot of damage to your ears very quickly. And if it strike, if I've had lightning strike very close to me a couple times, it is very loud. Even if, even if you plug your ears, you still, you'll feel it more than you hear it. It can be quite scary. Uh, and when you're down, make sure the only thing touching the ground is the balls of your feet. The reason we do that uh, is because lightning can hit the ground first and then enter your body. The more you minimize your contact with the ground, the less your chance of electricity running through your body. So what they're saying is, the less surface you have touching the ground, the less chance you have of potential voltage entering you. Think about this, a voltage from a lightning strike can be 50,000 plus volts of electricity. Your normal wiring coming into a building is somewhere between 220 and 480. Your high tension lines going along, and we'll talk about this in a minute, are usually somewhere around 1,000 volts. We're talking 49,000 times more voltage. I'll get to you in a minute, okay? Um, it says, touch your heels of your feet together. If electricity from the ground, a ground strike enters through your feet, this increases the chance of the electricity going from one foot to the other, rather than going through the rest of your body. What you do not want the lightning to do is start from here, go up and around and down. Because if it goes through your heart, you have the chance of your heart stopping or being uh, having uh, serious issues because of it. What were you going to say, Logan? I was going to say, um, I don't know if I'm excited wrong, but somehow you don't want to crunch down like under a tree. No, no. The reason being is if... Let's say you're out in the middle of a field and there's, there's a big tall oak tree. This is just an example. Lightning, if you feel you're going to be struck, lightning probably is going to strike that tree first because it's the tallest thing near. Now, lightning does sometimes just strike the ground. Not very often, but it does. And like I said, you don't want the voltage to go through you. It's the last thing you ever want to have happen. Because even if you survive getting hit, you have, often have... As Joyce said here, you have t tissue damage and such from, from getting hit. Now we're going to talk a little bit about power line safety. Now, how many here have seen a down power line? I've seen more than one in my life. We always assume that a down power line is live. Why do we assume that? There's two reasons. A, it may be live. B, 
they may not know it's down and they energize the system again, you have the potential to be shot. Do not go anywhere near it. This is a picture from that same storm I was telling about that uh, was moving my truck around. That's a power line that came down. That's green grass on fire. Yeah, we, we had a telephone pole burning when the grass was on Yep, it's quite hot. Right, yeah, what, what you can't see in this picture, I actually saw and witnessed this happen. I took the picture. I'm like, well, I should go up to the house and tell them that there's a power line, you know, because they may be, it was a fairly bad storm, they may be not even know yet. Well, what you don't see is over here there's water and a ditch. Does anybody know what water and electricity like? They're like good, they're, they're best friends. I mean, like really best friends. Water and electricity, water is one of the best conductors of electricity on earth, even better than gold. You want, if, if you've got a live power line in water, you don't want to need anywhere near it. You want to stay at least 25 feet away or more. And the bigger the line, if it's a high-tension line, you want to double or triple that. Because here's what happens. Do I have any chalk here? Okay, so here, here's, here's your power line here. And you have radiating voltage around in circles like this. Oh, that's nice. So the further out you get, the less your voltage is. Here's your, your, pretty much your full voltage, smaller, smaller, and smaller until it is totally no voltage. Now, what if a pull, here's, here's a, and I hope this never happens, but if a power line does fall near you and you are standing there, what they tell you to do is put your feet like this and bunny hop until you get far enough away. The reason being, you don't want to walk like this because if you get between two voltage lines, it'll go whoosh. Same thing as getting struck by lightning. And there are people that have been killed that way. Um, so just think about that, bunny hop. If you get stuck in, you know, and if you're in your car and a line falls on it, stay in your car. Because you're protected in your car. You're much more safe in your car than you are trying to get out. And wait till the rescue people get there and they advise you what to do, because they'll turn the power off and you can get out. And always report down power lines to local law enforcement and the power company immediately. If you don't know who your power company is, at least report it to law enforcement. And, you know, if you've got a fire, you need to call the fire department and get them on the way. Another thing you have a lot of times in Michigan here, not as much as you used to, trees fall on power lines. You go to cut the tree, you don't realize there's a power line in it. There are people who have been killed doing that. Make sure you're very aware of your surroundings and, and check everything out before you start cutting. You know, you go to help your neighbor or a power line on a fence. Think of it about this. You get a chain like fence like we, a lot of us have. I have one in my backyard. Power line falls on that, it's still energizing. It'll energize that whole fence. <laughs> Just think about it. Not a good thing. I've actually almost stepped on two power lines in my lifetime that were possibly energized, not knowing they were there. So you have to be very careful. And can anybody tell me which is the power line, which is the telephone and cable in that picture? I don't know for sure. I think the top ones here are power, but I don't know. Don't assume. Just stay away. We're going to talk a little bit about some apps you can use. And some of these you may have on your phone already. I use my radar all the time when I'm uh, chasing. I love it. And I've got it up here on my screen on my tablet. Knowing whether free, these, the, all these apps are free. You don't have to pay anything for them. They're available on uh, Amazon, app, or not Amazon, the regular Google App Store. There's similar apps for, uh, what you call it, 
for uh, Apple. I don't have an Apple phone, so I just, I'm going with Android ones. Simple weather works real well. It'll actually alert your phone 24 hours a day wherever you're at. Um, weather underground is, is very, very good. They're, uh, they're one of the pioneers in internet-based weather. We use them here at Camp Meeting a lot, and they're very accurate. And then this is the FEMA website. This gives you not only weather alerts, but other safety alerts and safety information. And a lot of cell phones now, they're doing push notifications uh, to wherever you're at with weather information. You've probably got AMBER alerts and such. Those, those are sent out to you free of charge as a courtesy of the cell phone company. Um, Doppler radar is, is pretty good too, that one over there. Like I said, I use, I use these two all the time. And I use Weather Underground some. There are many others out there. You find the one that works the best for you. Um, if you can't find one you really want to know of, of several, see me during camp and I'll help you find them. Um, I want to say in closing here, the reason I do these seminars is, is I want people to be safe. I've seen too many people be hurt or killed because of not following some of these simple things I presented today. And this is, this is kind of my way of trying to impart a lot of information. Most of what I, I've presented today is very basic. It's a lot more, there's a lot more in depth. If you want to learn how to be a storm chaser, the Weather Service provides classes every year in the spring. You look under, on the Weather Service website. And they, they have a whole list of them. A lot of them are on Saturday, but I would say it's not a bad thing to go to on Saturday. Um, if you're interested, it's really good. It's about two hours long. I recommend you take the class more than once. It's, it's a lot to absorb if you're not familiar with it. I've been many times, and I still learn new stuff every time, and they'll tell you all the criteria, how to report. Um, if you do see something um, unique that you think is worth reporting, you, you know, you see rotation, you see bad weather coming in, you can always call 911 and alert your central dispatch in your area. They like that because they'll, send, they'll, they'll advise people like me, their spotters and, and their police officers and, and sheriff's officers to keep their eyes open as they're, as they're patrolling. And, you know, you, you get better data that way than, oh, well, after the fact, I was, oh, I saw that, but I didn't say anything. Say something. You know, we, we, we like having information. We will investigate. I get sent sometimes to investigate reports of stuff, you know, whether uh, events happening in, in the area I'm working. They'll call me on the radio or call me on my phone and say, can you go to X location and see what's going on or what has happened? So we, we appreciate that. Um, I do have on my tablet here, if you want to look uh, after I get done here in a couple of minutes, uh, I was mentioning I have uh, live radar up. You can see what's going to happen here in the next couple hours, and I can explain a little bit to you. <laughs> now, in Michigan, it's everybody's gamble. Funny story I'll tell real quick. When I worked at TV6, I, worked with, I, I was actually a news photographer, but I was in the weather department a lot. I was assigned to help out with their, their stuff because I was the only one that would go with Chase. I was a photographer. One day I walk in the weather office, and the weather meteorologists are sitting there flipping a coin. I said, what in the world are you doing? And they're all sitting there and going, well, we don't exactly know what's going to happen. We're going to flip a coin. We're going to go with what's the most common. <laughs> common. And, and you know what? That's about how bad it is. It really is. Being surrounded by, on three sides by water does not help us. In fact, I've had people tell me that Michigan is the most 
difficult place to predict the weather on Earth. Because you, you just don't know what's going to happen. You can have stuff come from Wisconsin, it'd be severe, it hits the lake, it dies. Or it comes across the lake and it builds, and it gets worse once it gets here. Or it'll die over the lake and it'll hit Grand Rapids, and then it gets even worse the further inland it goes. We, I've seen all of that. And, you know, I hope I didn't scare anybody today. That was not my, my intent. But I want, wanted you to be informed. And I appreciate each of you coming and taking the time to, to uh, be here for this lecture. And I hope you can come back on Thursday and we'll talk about uh, winter weather safety, which is a whole other subject. And uh, I'll get to you in just a second, sir. Um, because winter, I know it's summer right now, but winter is, is, is also very dangerous and, and is equally as dangerous in a lot of ways that summer is. So I'll take a couple of questions and then we'll have prayer to, to close. You had a question? Well, like I said, you never assume the wire is dead. Now, I have a tester that I carry with me for work because I do maintenance, so I have a lot of equipment to test with. I can test if there's voltage in the vicinity, but don't even trust those. Those, those are not always accurate. And I'd hate to see somebody... You, you, I don't know if you guys have heard the ads that Consumers Power puts on the radio where you know, this guy calls and he says, well, I, there's a line in my yard, can I move it? I'm like, no, 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 don't touch it. You know, don't ever get near it. If you see kids playing in water near a line, get them out of it. You don't want to risk it. Um, like I said, water and electricity love each other. Um, anybody have any other questions? Yes? It can be very dangerous. Um, I'm not familiar with it, but I've heard of it. It's like an explosion almost of lightning, right? It's, it's like, it's probably more of an a, uh, electrically charged atmosphere, and, and you get the right conditions. It's probably mm -hmm. like a, you know, a foot or two in diameter probably, right? Okay, yeah. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Um, that, that, you got to see something most people never see. So you should count yourself fortunate that you got to see it and it didn't do any serious injury or damage to you. Oh, absolutely. Anything to do with lightning or electricity is very dangerous. Um, and you, even if you're not that close, you still, you know, you can get, uh, uh, even when lightning strikes, you have the potential for the ground being charged for a few seconds. You know, the story I told a few minutes ago about the lady that got shocked here. She was quite a long way. She was several hundred feet away and got shot. You know, it's not always, you know, cut and dry. Your hair does stand on end sometimes when lightning's about to strike. I've had that happen a couple times, but not always. Um, when I worked at the TV station, real quick here, I used to run our uh, live trucks for the station. They have big masts to go up 40, 50 feet in the air. And we almost had our trucks get struck a couple different times by lightning. Um, and they have had trucks like that, and you know, utility trucks and stuff get hit, and it's not a pretty sight. Um, it, can be, it can be quite deadly. Um, so, you know, I don't want to scare anybody, but I want you to, to, be, to think about it. You know, some people don't get to experience weather in its raw <laughs> uh, forms. But, no, and, and I have a story I'll tell about that. Thanks for mentioning that. I witnessed, I witnessed this happening. This happened back when I was a, still a teenager. Uh, Potterville, Michigan. Uh, there's a lake that everybody goes to. It's called Fox Park. The day this happened, it was in July. There was about a hundred and some people in, in the water and 
Lots of people on the beach. I was working about a mile away from there. And I saw lightning come down out of blue sky. Come to find out, it hit the water, bounced along the water, and hit a lady who was laying on the beach a ways away. Went through her leg, through her heart. She survived with no lasting effects. Thanks in part to some people being there that knew CPR and first aid. The fire department was only about two miles away, but they, they actually stabilized her in, in my old hometown and flew her to Ann Arbor. And they, she was in the hospital for about a month and she survived. She's been on lots of different TV shows because she's very, it was not a direct strike. Most people that, and there were, a number, there were about 20 some people in the water that were also uh, shocked as a result of being in the water when the lightning actually hit the lake, which is very unusual. Usually it does not hit a lake, usually it hit a tree. It actually hit the light in the water. Uh, a couple of people that were there, I know fairly well, and they were talking about it, like, oh boy. <laughs> you know, and it, it made, it, their injuries were, it made their legs and hands tingle for sometimes several days. But all of them survived with no serious and lasting injuries. They had to be checked out and, you know, but it can happen. Yes, sir. What do you recommend for nighttime safety? And I know like the tornado alerts that we have, the weather radio, they have constant alerts that aren't necessary. Uh, yeah. So what can you do to protect yourself at night? Well. I just got just one thing. Sure, go ahead. Especially, I'm going to just say, somehow when, when there's storms that's in, that's in the nighttime hours, somehow I, I've seen this at one time. I'm just going to say June 5th, 2010, I used to live down Michigan and the Ohio border. Somehow, if there's a tornado warning that's issued, make sure that somehow you got to have a weather radio that have the alarm to wake you up. Yeah. And somehow, if that warning goes off, it means you have to take cover, go to your shelter. And stuff. I'm going to just say, I don't want to go over a lot of topics for the sake of time. I have, I have a device that is called Tornado Alert. The only thing it does, tornado alert, will scan the sky. Either lightning, non-severe, or severe storm, or tornado. It'll scan like 30 miles. I'm not saying everybody will get it, but I'm just, just throwing that out there. Is that on your phone? Or it's, it's a special device he has. It's a special device. And the only thing it does, you know, when, when it tracks something like a tornado or something, if there's a tornado on the ground, like 30 miles, when that thing tracks 30 miles, this strobe light will go off, the strobe light will come on, and this tiny DB sound will go off. And, and, and another thing you can do is, if you do, if there is a tornado warning issued, usually, I've only seen them issue one in my whole entire life that was none necessary. It's usually a good idea to take cover even if you go, hmm, yeah. And, and if, you, if you have radar on your phone, you can always look at that, um, and, and some will tell you what you're looking at. Um, unfortunately, we have to close. And I appreciate each one being here today. We're going to have prayer, um, and then you guys can come up here and look at stuff. We have another seminar starting in a few minutes, so I'm going to have to... Yeah, and everybody that is here can get one of the preparedness guides. You come again on Thursday, you will get... I have another guide that I'll give you on Thursday also. Those are courtesy of Gratiot County Emergency Management. I happen to know the emergency manager quite well, and he was gracious enough to give me some to give out today. So, and, and next year, just real quick, we're, we're hoping to have a week-long class of some sort about emergency preparedness. 
Um, we're working on the details of that right now. So um, I appreciate you guys' interest in this. Let's pray. Dear Father in Heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to, to study weather and to learn more about uh, your awesome creation. We ask that you bless one, each one here and, and keep them safe as they go back to their homes uh, at the end of the week. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.